listeners, everyone, hello, and welcome back to a new episode of 100 Steps to Drag, the podcast where I chat with your favorite drag artists and ask them how they got started and where they want to go. My guest today, we are already having so much fun offline. I'm like, let me start recording this because this is too good. She is a social media personality, but she is also a fantastic drag queen, gorgeous figure in the Houston, Texas scene. She is also part of the Brooks Dynasty. Please help me welcome Hannah Santana. My name is Hannah Santana and you're watching 100 Steps to Drag. What step are you on? Hannah, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. The pleasure really is all yours. <laughs> Honestly, it is. It's all mine. It's, it's already too much fun. I'm like, you uplifted me on this Tuesday because I'm like, yeah, I was like a little, mm, like I wasn't feeling it, but I'm like, now I'm excited. And I'm like, ooh, let's chat, honey. Yeah, she took three bumps before she started this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bumps of, um, <laughs> I mean, three bumps of, um, what can we do? You just took three pumps of dick. You're just, you're just, your bum's excited. You're excited. I wish, honey. I wish. Oh, my God. No, we were talking that we we're actually clean queens. We don't engage in, in that kind of activity, which is fun. Yeah, not yet anyways. <laughs> we're not famous enough to be affording that. You know, we don't have right, that kind of money. Right, I haven't gotten on TV. Once I get on TV, then it might be a different person. You never then know. Hit, then hit us up. We're going to need a plug. <laughs> Hannah, I'm so happy that you're here. We were just saying that it's, it's your day off. So what, what other job do you have besides drag? I actually work at T-Mobile during the day. I'm a little sales girl. I love it. I love T-Mobile. I actually have an issue with my phone, so I'll be talking to you offline. I'm just kidding now. But it's fun. I also have a, like a day gig, so to speak. I don't know, but it's it's cool. I mean, I was just talking about this in like our last episode of the podcast. Day gigs are cool because they help me like pay for everything else and then drag is drag money. Literally, like I look at some girls in my city who like they try to make drag their full-time job and you can see them struggling and I just don't know why they choose to live that life. Like, girl, like, if drag is not your, like, main program, don't pretend like it is. Don't do that to yourself. I know. I know. And it varies. Like, it, it is, like, a, a journey to, like, make drag your full source of income and, like, be comfortable. Because over here, there are some girls that, like... It is. It's yeah, very You have hard. to, like, be booked, like, at least... I want to say like four times a week or have like four, at least four shows within a week. Right. So it's tough. But it also depends on like booking fees because like not, I don't know what like booking fees are everywhere, but I know in Houston, like when you're first starting out, a lot of places will only pay you 50 bucks. Like that's like ever starting booking fees, I would say. And I mean, I've even taken, when I first started, I was taking some for $25, like just to get my name out there. And now I would say like a little more established girls would get a hundred plus dollars depending on the venue. That is good to know because here in LA if you're just getting started you're basically working for tips for a minute yeah 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 I would say that's pretty standard yeah like you're working for tips and then like I, th I would say that mm, like a basic pay gig is like 50 bucks and then 75 if it's like a, a good show. If you've been on TV, then it's another story, but that's our local girls kind of a kind of a story. <laughs> yeah, because you bring in the you bring in the bar, the restaurant business. So at that point, it's a little different so that's conversation. The ball is in your court, Henny. You said the prices, but for us. Oh, for sure. I wanted to like get to know you a little bit more because I was reading through your fun facts and you have been in social media for quite a while since TikTok was not TikTok and was a 
a music alley. How did that start for you? Oh my god, girl, talk about cringe city. So don't know. TikTok used to be musically. If you're not familiar with the little fuckboys online who would lip sync, lick their lips, thirst trap a little bit, I was unfortunately a part of that wave. <laughs> I was, I want to say it had to have been going like the summer going into my senior year of high school. I was one of like the first group of creators on that app. And I, I, cause it was right around the time Vine was dying or I think it had already died at that point. And everyone was just looking for the next thing. And I had just happened to stumble across it back when I think the most followed maybe had a hundred thousand followers at that time. And next thing you know, like middle of senior year of high school, I had like a hundred thousand followers of my own. They verified me pretty, pretty quickly. And then I took that as an opportunity to bleed into the YouTube space. And then I made a name for myself on YouTube, broke like a hundred thousand subscribers my first year on YouTube, got verified. Like I've been doing it for a minute. You're like, girl, I got this. I got this. I love that. But wait, I know I, I wasn't very familiar with Musical.ly, or, but I was familiar with Dub Smash. Did you ever hear about that? Girl, it, basically, the Dub Smash was like the redheaded stepchild to those like apps. Musical.ly was kind of like the golden child, and then there was Dub Smash. But yeah, they were they existed around the same time. But Dub Smash, I don't think you could have had like, I don't think, I don't think there's many people on it. Like you couldn't scroll on it, I don't think. Or maybe you could. Well, back in the day, Musically had just one feed. I know now on TikTok, they make multiple feeds. So there's the for you section and then you can watch who you're following. But back in the day, you had to get featured and then everybody on the app saw your featured content. So if you had a successful video, everyone knew who you were. So the pressure was definitely a lot different back then as opposed to now. Now it's like, you don't even, I don't even go to my following feed. Like I only am on the for you page on TikTok. It's so different now. No, same, same. From what you're saying, like back then you really had to like do something like, you know, oh wow, yeah. like the next big thing. And now honestly, I've seen like a lot of accounts that are like brand new go viral on something completely random, whether it's like a carrot on the street or like a cute video of a dog or whatever whatever so it's it's crazy how things have changed yeah what's your favorite tiktok do you know mm, uh, that i've done or that i've seen that you've seen <laughs> mm, i'm like what i did i've done like all of them well not, not i'm just kidding not all of them some of them i'm like oh i should have it's already done but that i've seen well you go first i have to think i have to think my favorite is the is the shakira one where he's like shakira shakira and then he turns around and he's like <laughs> and then some random person like I don't know what his name is, but I love him and I hope he's doing okay today. I Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I can't remember their name either, but I know that TikTok. I've seen it so many times. There's so many like people that have recreated it with like the shittiest wig and everything. Oh, like, yeah. they, they turn around and they're like in like full men. <laughs> it's always the most like random, unproduction filled piece of content that goes viral. It's, it's when you don't try. <laughs> exactly. It's when it's like organic or what ever but i think that my favorite tiktok that i've seen uh, it's i don't know this this guy was like went to get fast food i forgot if it was like panera or what kind of food was it and there was like the the bag like that it came in and he was like why is this bag literally describing my pussy and they said words like scrumptious delicious tasty and i'm like oh my god back in the pandemic i used to re-watch that all the time and i'm like that is a just that one video just the that one. one video yeah 
And I'm like, I would like, scroll, and then I'm like, go back to that. And girl, every day, that's how you start your day. I'm scrumptious. I'm delicious. That's my pussy. <laughs> but I'm going to make those my affirmations again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Typically, like, I look in the mirror and I scream, I'm ugly and I'm proud. But, you know, to each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Exactly. Exactly. And you're the ugly girl. You look good in, in this call. I wish people could see it. Oh, I thought you just called me ugly. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> You fucking whore. You're like, no, this is the third time we're talking and I'm already calling you ugly. I was like, listen, I get that enough from my mother. I don't need that Oh my you. God. My real mother, not my drag mother. Well, my drag mother too. She calls me ugly time to time, but that's to keep me humble. But that's with love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that a lot from kids on TikTok already, so. Oh, fully. Girl, the hate comments are a fucking spoonful. Yeah, but honestly, like, I appreciate that because they boost my algorithm. Oh my God. I literally tell people that all the time. I'm like, you can leave all the hate comments you want. And I just love to, like, engage with them because that's more, that's, it's more for the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, it's more exciting. And I'm like, yes, please come back. But I'm like, I feel like since I've started welcoming the hate comments, they stopped a little bit because they've noticed that I'm like that I don't care oh no I'd be I'd be on TikTok live I'd be on TikTok live and I don't know how my content gets pushed to them but all the transphobes all the homophobes they all are like is it a he or a she and I just be like ignoring it and I'll have like my own followers be arguing them and I'm just I'm just doing my makeup to dead silence and there's a whole war in the comments on my live <laughs> minding your business and that yeah I've been there and it's fun but I don't know why I'm like I, I get a couple of them I get a couple of trolls so like, oh, what is this, etc. But I'm like, I don't get that many. And I'm like, what is wrong, TikTok? Please keep pushing my my content out there to all the wrong places. Yeah, I can't engage them anymore because the one time I did, they blocked me for bullying. Oh, damn it. They tried to come for me, so I clocked them. I think they had like a receding hairline in their profile picture and I called it out and then they reported me for bullying. <laughs> I couldn't go live for a whole week. I'm like, it's not my fault they're hateful with a receding hairline. <laughs> I know. And I've been there because one time I was like streaming a drag show and I got to spend it for doing going live for like two months that was horrible and i'm like that was just a regular drag show it wasn't even like provocative or anything it was just like a drag a wednesday drag show oh god insane insane do you think there's a, a, like a formula to be good on social media i think there is i, I really do what do you think that is Ooh, it's so different because i feel like everyone's personalities give give something different like some creators can literally just get on there be very like calm and down to earth but the words they say can sometimes just be so captivating like i know that there's some beauty channels on youtube that i'll watch where like there's no background music there's no jump cuts and i can turn that shit on for 20 minutes and get lost in it and there's some people who like it's 20 minutes but like of chaos and sometimes that hooks me in i really think it's just finding your audience and then giving them exactly what they're coming for and being very aware of just who what is your brand like find a brand stick to it i think that's really the secret i agree i think that finding your voice and finding like your personality on the app is super crucial to like gain a following because i've seen a lot of creators that try to copy other creators out there and i'm like mm, it feels like it's not authentic you know and once you start like you know talking to the camera or like finding experience and playing with things, I feel like that is a little more useful, so to speak. Yeah. Because you're right. I've, I've seen creators that are like, their videos is all screaming like, oh my God, I just got fucked. And I love it. And there's others that I also love that are more calm and like there's a soothing music. So it's really like finding what is going to suit you better. Yeah, like I found when I was transitioning on my social media page away from like boy me into drag me, the content was 
completely different. Like once I started noticing what posts were getting more views, instead of trying to fight it, I, I gave into it. I was like, okay, people are really liking the get ready with me's. And then I finally had one where I was like telling a crazy story while I was getting ready. And now I find with my get ready with me's like people care more for the stories that I'm telling than like the makeup techniques that I'm doing. And that just works for me, but that doesn't work for everybody because not everybody has a, an amazing, luxurious life. As me. <laughs> Honestly, I've tried to like tell stories, but I'm like, what am I going to say? Like that I went to the grocery store that my dog like shot on the carpet today. Like, <laughs> like that's not interesting. No girl, you went to the grocery store. You found a hot piece of ass. You followed him to a car you you found a hot love hookup day that's your cool. 3000 and everything i wish i literally wish i'm like nope i sadly <laughs> but like that is funny because when i started doing tiktok seriously it was like maybe january of 2022 because the gigs were low i think there was like a delta variant or some another variant of covid and everyone was like super scared rightfully so and i was like i don't want to go back of like not doing drag so let me try tiktok and then i tried like a shit ton of different things and like nothing was sticking and i remember i did like this video of like me padding and people had so many qu that was the first video that actually like got some traction i'm like oh maybe i can do this and it feels really like correct for me to like do like the kind of videos that i do yeah i mean i think it also ties into your whole brand like even the name of this podcast like you're literally teaching the girls how to do drag and i love that and i commend you for that thank you we're trying we're trying to do it some girls don't want to take the tips but that's on them you know <laughs> they'll stay unbooked it's fine <laughs> ooh, ooh. Basic crusty and dusty, that's fine. <laughs> Oh my God. And speaking of social media, why do you think it's so important to have like a social media presence while doing drag nowadays? Well, I think from a, oh my gosh, I'm getting so technical now. <laughs> I think from like a business standpoint, especially if you're one that works a lot in nightlife, having a following is important because it lets your followers find a real venue for them to connect with you other than just your screen. And you know, it brings business to the bar. They're paying you, you're, you're, you're giving them business. So that's just how it works in that regard. But for the girls who aren't in real life performers, it just gives them a space to showcase their work. But I mean, I think everyone everyone uses social media differently. Like some people, it's their archive just to post their art and they don't give a shit about the views. And for someone like me who is like, has years of social social media experience, when I use it, I use it as like a, as a chance to grow. For everyone who cannot see, my husband just walked in the background. But you're right. I think that if you're, if everyone uses it differently, right? Whether it's by archiving your looks and looking back at them and be like, wow, I've come a long way. Or whether it's to have an outlet or to compete in TikTok drag competitions, it's super important to have that presence. Like when I was just starting, well, I was like kind of getting momentum on TikTok. I created a video for a brunch that I was having on that weekend. And there was like a 15 people reservation on that weekend. And when the owner asked the, you know, that reservation, oh, like, how did you guys find out? We're like, oh, we saw it on Natasha's TikTok. Like, oh, that made me look really good with him. Ever since he's like, he's always been on my corner yeah that's what i'm saying literally use it to your advantage use it to your advantage yeah you have to you have to but let's take it back let's rewind and talk about your beginnings in drag you talked about a little bit about social media but how the drag started what when did you say ah oh, i should try this wig this couple heels this makeup girl you would be surprised so i moved to houston texas right after i graduated high school i had no idea what drag was. I, I don't think I've ever had, had never seen a drag queen in my life. 
My ex-boyfriend, we were invited to some house party and it was actually a watch party for All Stars 3, the season that Trixie had won. And that was my first time ever seeing a drag queen. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is stupid. Why is anybody interested in this? I was a drag hater. I was one of the straight people. (laughs) No, no, you were not one of the straights. You were one of those gays that are like, yeah, like, you know, but I'm not like one of those gays. I don't watch drag race. Yeah. And and to come from that to this, I think is, is very funny but no yeah I, I i hated it because i didn't understand it i mean i was i had just come out of the closet maybe like two years ago i was barely had dived into nightlife i think it was just so much at once i was too afraid of it honestly and it wasn't until i think two years Years after the fact, I had organically discovered Drag Race, like a season. And my first season I ever watched, like on my own by myself, was All Stars 2. And let me tell you, that is the best season of Drag Race. And it is a curse that that was my first one because now I compare every season to All Stars 2. I cannot enjoy it the same. I agree. It's such a good season to start. I always tell people to start with either that or season six, but I like starting with All Stars because then you can go to like if you like Alyssa you can go to her season and watch Literally. it or if you like I don't know who else is on there oh, well, Alaska's in the same season <laughs> but if you like uh, Tatiana you can go to her season and watch that so it kind of it's a good segue drug to the drag race uh, cult that it is today girl tell me about it my first love I will say was Alaska I think that was the drag queen that made me realize that I can do this mainly because I used to make a lot of parody videos back in the day and I and, and seeing so many of Alaska's videos on YouTube really resonated with me. And I was like, oh my God, why do I see myself doing this? And at that point, I had stepped away from being a content creator for I think about two years at that point. And I was just missing like entertaining people. And so come that Halloween that year, you best believe that was my first night out in drag. And she was a busted mess, girl. As you should, honestly, if you start drag and you look gorgeous, that is not valid. You have to look busted. I will say, though, I did rock the black bob. And let me tell you, that was the best choice because a girl on a bob knows what she's doing and knows what she wants. Let me tell you. Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh, my drag mom has or had this like black bob that it was hideous. It was like a helmet. Like, have you seen like Dumb and Dumber? Oh, of course. This movie with Jim Carrey, like that Jim Carrey cut. It was like, uh, we all hated it, but she loved it. And she felt so powerful with that wig on. Something about a bob. It just makes the the gays go crazy. I don't know what it is. But you are a Halloween girly. I love that. Yeah. And my birthday is October 23rd. I am a a Libra sport. Scorpio cusp. So I I just felt like I had to celebrate my birthday the best way. Exactly. You want the spotlight. I had to be born in drag. I had to be yeah. born in drag. You yeah. were reborn. Look, how many years ago was that? It was right before the pandemic. So that is when I had planned to like break into the drag scene. So it was Halloween before the pandemic. And then I was practicing makeup at home. The world shut down. And that was when I luckily had the opportunity to practice my makeup before I stepped into a booking. So, I mean, that didn't stop me from still looking crazy when I finally started going out. <laughs> but that's kind of the segue of how I met my drag mother as well, was when I finally started performing. I was like posting on Facebook. I was like, hey, I'm looking to do like an amateur night. And one of my Instagram friends, who is now my drag sister, Petty, which is also Mistress's first daughter, uh, she was like, hey, Mistress is looking to expand the family. You should see like if she has any bookings for you. And Mistress gave me my very first booking and it was at Hamburger Mary's in Houston. Oh, oh my God. Do you remember the, the first song that you ever performed? Yeah. No, I was telephone. 
There's something about Gaga because my first song ever performed was Born This Way. So there's something about Gaga breaking cherries. Ah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I had made a mix. I was like, well, I have to, I have to do the girls. I have to make a mix. So, so it was literally the intro to this is for Rachel, you big, uh, fat, smelly, white, racist ass bitch. And then it, it played into the telephone. And that was my first number ever. That is fucking funny. <laughs> that really set the tone for the rest of my drag career. Like pussy with like a touch of comedy. I can see that. I can see that like in your... In, in person, because we we met in person and in the social media, it's very pussy, very clent, but there's always sprinkles of comedy and chaos, and I love it. I, I'm booked actually at a comedy show, and they, they call me the residential Muppet, because I'm such a fool on the mic. I'm such a fool. I gotta go watch you now, because I love the Muppets. Yeah, literally one of the, one of my comedy shows, someone that we had booked, she had brought, uh, she had done like illustration for all the queens and she turned me into a muppet i need to see this uh, i'm gonna ask you to send that to me after because uh, that's so oh funny. yeah it's on my feet it's on my instagram feed you can find it so i remember when uh mistress did the runway uh, the night of a thousand beyonce's i did not know that she had planned to bring two muppets on stage i was like oh my god that's me and petty on her shoulders of course the internet thought it was sugar and spice but i was like no we're the original daughters girl You're like baby step <laughs> back us. step back we were there before the race and <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that is so funny. Let's talk about your drag mom. You are part of the Brooks dynasty, honey. And she gave you your first booking. But how do we go from the first booking to being a member of the family? So <laughs> legend has it that Mistress used to parade in her living room claiming to be Mistress Isabel Brooks before Chevelle even knew who this girl was. She was like, I'm already claiming her as my drag mom. She doesn't need to have me. You no, know, literally, this is this is like, I'm I'm pretty sure this is somewhere on the internet. You can find it. So she hopefully she won't kill me for, for speaking like this. <laughs> no, yeah, Chevelle's like, who is this girl claiming to be my daughter? And when Mistress told me that about Chevelle, I knew that was exactly the relationship that we were going to have. Very that. I literally forced her to be my mother because, well, I mean, she's also done so much for me. Like, truthfully, I remember I entered my very first like bar competition. It was like eight weeks long. I remember after every night she would FaceTime me and she'd be like, okay, what's the category for next week? And she'd give me all this advice on how to kill the competition. And of course I didn't listen to her like the first half of the season. And she's like, listen, if you're going to be my daughter, you're going to have to listen to me because if not, you are out of this family. <laughs> and then I, f and then I finally started listening to her. I made it to the finale. She actually came over to my apartment and she made all three of my wigs for the finale, like just out of the kindness of her heart. And what do you know? She won the season. <laughs> Hey. Yeah. That is so funny. You're like, I don't know if I should listen to her. And she's like, bitch, you fucking better. And you won. No, literally. I won. I literally won. <laughs> that is so cool. Do you recommend other drag artists to like insert themselves into a family? Because I always read comments of like, oh, how can I get a drag mom? How can I get a drag mom? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's always the, the, you know, the situation where you can like force yourself. Sometimes you can, but it, I think that if you have that relationship prior, you know, not to right. like a complete stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think it's different for everybody. I think, well, I mean, so me and my husband, Raul, like we are, we're shitsters. We love to just fucking cause silly drama, like stupid drama, not like drama that'll get us in trouble, but we just love shit talking. And Mistress is the same. So I think like once she realized that my personal family was very much like in that fun wheelhouse that she kind of gives off, it just was like, a, I guess, a natural fit. But I, I recommend just, just finding your own tribe. Like you, I feel like there's this pressure that you need to find a drag family, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having a sisterhood. Like there's so many girls in my city here in Houston that we're not a part of this necessarily the same family, but like that's still our sister, you know? Like we do drag so much together. We're always around each other. We're pouring love into each other. You know, like I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a sisterhood of friends and letting that be almost like your chosen family, you know? Very, very that. Because I think that's what happens with like my sisters here, you know? Like it's not like nothing formal. Like, oh yeah, she is the mother and we're all like her daughters. Like, no, we're just like here for each other. Like we sometimes go like sew costumes together or like give each other advice or like help each other. Like my sisters were helping me on my booth at DragCon and I'm like, it's like our sisterhood. And that's what drag's about. Like RuPaul gets in the show and says it's all about love. But like truthfully, for a lot of people, like drag is like the one safe space. Like the gay, like the gay bars is the one safe space for a lot of girls to go out and just feel a sense of community, you know, even in their adult years. Like not everyone has the support of their family. So, so for a lot of people, this is this is what's keeping them alive, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people like, for example, yourself that moved from another state or from another place like that. That's our family. Yeah. I also moved uh, here to Long Beach a couple of years ago. And the people that I found through drag, it's literally my my family, my friends here away from from my blood family. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> yeah. When I first came to Houston, I literally had like no money to my name. Oh, so young. I was so stupid. <laughs> I had been like internet dating this at the time I was like really big on YouTube and I I was dating this subscriber for like two weeks and I was like ah this is my chance to get out of Florida and and go live on my own with the man of my dreams and girl let me tell you that was the most toxic two years of my motherfucking life I am so (laughs) sorry girl Oh my god. No, no, it shaped me into the cunt that I am today. The cunt that you are today. <laughs> the woman that you are today. Yeah, it just took one man to fucking take away all my confidence for me to build that shit right back. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers to toxic relationships that teaches our worth. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you're so right. You're like reviving memories because like my ex-boyfriend, like prior to my current relationship, he was also kind of toxic. I mean, I think I was toxic at the time too, because I was very insecure. But oh my Oh my gosh, we were like very, very toxic to each other. What was like the most toxic thing you've ever done to him? Okay, so this is back when Facebook was the thing, the social media. So Facebook went through so many updates on the app. And one of those updates like allowed you to see where the message was being sent from. It was like, oh, sent from like Los Angeles, sent from Houston or whatever. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Oh my God. So this t- day he was like, oh, he, we weren't to cheer. We weren't cheerleaders. It was like, oh, I'm going to like help this team practice in like this city or whatever and I'm like okay let me see and then I went into like that setting of like sent from and it was sent from a different city and I was like oh fuck to the no and then I had his password because duh I was toxic so I logged into the into his account and I, I found out he was not where he said he was he was not doing what he said was he was doing gag, gag. the gag honey the gag oh so we had a, a fight but obviously because we were toxic we got over it and <laughs> went back together <laughs> 
Oh, that's so gay. <laughs> it was, it, no, it wasn't. It wasn't happy. Like it was just trouble and more fights and shit. But honestly, again, it shaped me. Well, let me tell you when I was in my villain era. <laughs> Let, uh, let's hear it. I'm, I'm excited. So I, I was in this relationship with this guy, and when I tell you, like, took away all my confidence. Like he would always one up me. He would always like paint himself out to be like this amazing, talented person. Underplay all of my achievements. Made me think that I needed him. Like really. Took all that away from me, you know. And I remember we were getting to the end of our of that relationship. Our lease was coming to an end, and I had made up my mind that I was gonna break up with him. I just didn't know how to do it. Like it was my first real like serious relationship I had lived with him. I was like, how do I do this? And he wanted to go look apartment hunting. I was like, okay, like I'm fine with looking, but I'm not ready to sign anything. I told him I'm not signing anything today. And that was kind of my way of like for like you know foreshadowing like, hey, I don't want to sign anything ever again. <laughs> Long and behold. He finds an apartment that day that he really likes and he pressures me to sign then and there right in front of the agent. And I was like, what the hell did I just tell you? Like earlier, like I'm not doing this today. So if he wanted to play dirty, Cross ready to play dirty back. I pretended to fill out the leasing information. I didn't write down my social. I wrote a phony ass signature. I made this motherfucker sign up for a lease that he could not afford. And later... <laughs> Like that night, he, he cooks his dinner, right? Horrible. I'm so bad. He cooks his dinner and he's like, hey, we're eating dinner. Hey, uh, did you get your credit pulled for the apartment? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, well, why? And I'm like, baby, I didn't sign it. I, I'm not moving in with you. What? Yeah, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> oh my God, my jaw, it was on the floor for all that yeah, story. That's why I was girl. not speaking. I was like, uh I, I love this fool with Brad. He could not motherfucking afford, bitch. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Okay, that is literally a villain era. Yeah. I mean, bitch guy was coming. I, you know what? I would never do this to someone again, you know, because I was very young. Honestly, I didn't know how bad that would, like, fuck somebody up. But I think karma got him. Yeah. And I'm like, it's also not nice to, like, pressure your significant other to, like, sign in, like, then and there, you know? If no. No. Listen to your significant other. Listen. Yes. <laughs> Read the room, Linda. I mean, if the relationship's not going great, what makes you think that living together is gonna come on come on so in case you had any doubts of me being in the brooks dynasty i too am in my villain era <laughs> that was part of your application uh, no to, literally to join the yeah. <laughs> are you a cunt and how <laughs> in, in the interview can you give me an example of a time when you were a cunt what did you do? <laughs> How do you serve cunt in a toxic relationship way? You're like, I love this question. Very pageanty. I love this question because as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> in matter of fact, I am a livid bitch. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Wait, let me get my charger. I'll be right back. Miss Hundreds is in the other room getting her charger. She told me something that she didn't want anyone to know. But I'm, like I said, in my villain era, so I'm going to expose her. So... I said she had bumps before the lie. And I said, well, what if you just got three bumps of cock? Well, let me tell you, she had three pieces of trade over and she did get those three pumps of cock. And she did not tell her significant other. Oh, okay, we're back. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't exposing any of your secrets to your audience. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god. Oh my god. I cannot wait to hear that. You're like, well, now this is my podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. It's exactly what happened. I cannot. You know what? I deserve that. I probably deserve that. Speaking of projects that are actually yours, <laughs> you also host the brunches in the city of Houston. How did that get started? So one of the Houston queens that regularly works like her own shows, she invited me just to like be a part of like her rotating cast that she had. Well, not rotating cast. She just invited me to like work the gig with her. There was a moment in the show where she needed like me to talk on the mic and she had never heard me on the mic. So I literally just started like co-hosting because she just needed time to change. And the audience response was like amazing. And so she was like, I love your energy. You're such a professional. Like you want to turn this into like a co-hosting show. And we've co-hosted that show for an entire year now. And let me tell you, it's packed. The tips are heavy. The girls come to twirl. It's a great time. Honestly, I need to see it. Oh my God. It seems like such a fun time. It is. And if anyone's in the Houston area who's listening, it's Winnie's Houston last Sunday of every month. We have 11.30 and 2 p.m. showtime. I am obsessed because now that I'm thinking about it, like speaking onto the camera on social media also gives you like a good foundation to like host on the mic one day because you get used to like talking. You get used to like being quick, to being witty, to have energy and all that translates really well well to hosting a show so i can see you being a natural on the mic it does but you also have to be very self-aware too because with the magic of editing is if you over speak you can just chop that shit out if you over speak on the mic and piss off a room full of people you ain't getting booked again <laughs> truly truly yeah so it's a lot of trial and error for sure i definitely will say my first time hosting i was a little bit of a rambler but i've, I've kind of gotten the hang of like what you can and can't say how much to say how little to say but it just comes with experience. Yeah, a lot of it, it does. Like, we cannot prepare for everything, and that's fine. Are there any, like, crazy audience stories from your brunches? You're like, oh my gosh, that really happened. You know, you just triggered a painful memory that I wish I didn't have to remember. <laughs> no. Uh, so sorry. We're going to go work through it. <laughs> this is my first therapy session, so please forgive the tears. Oh my God. I'm going to bill you directly. Don't worry. <laughs> so at uh, our brunch, we have this game we always play where the audience lip syncs against each other. Like we throw them in shitty shake and goes and they just have to lip sync. Well, I always like to dance with them, especially if I can tell they're really nervous and shy. Like I'll go and I'll lip sync next to them so they can like really get into it. There was this one guy who took off his belt and he threw it around me and he meant to like choke me playfully he smudged the absolute shit out of my lip and i didn't bring any makeup to the gig girl i looked a damn fool for the rest of the second show i was livid no oh my god yeah i literally was like rubbing it out not like down there but like up here <laughs> in the lip on the like, lip on the lip, on the lip. yeah not, not the pussy lips, like the mouth lips, the mouth lips. The, not that labia, rubbing. the other labia. The other labia, other labia. And I literally smudged like my whole foundation through is so there was a whole patch on my chin. But I mean, like people don't really care. The bar is like, it's like a straight restaurant. It doesn't, it's not like known for being in the gay scene. So like a lot of people that go there, a lot of it's their first drag shows ever, which is always a fun time. I love that. I love popping drag show cherries. Cause like, you know, you have your arsenal of jokes and whenever you're performing to like uh, people that have heard them before, you're like, Okay, fine. But whenever you perform into straight people, they're like, oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> I love that. No, literally. And you know what's crazy? And this might be controversial. Why is it that we get more love typically at performing in front of straight people 
than gay people. Tea or not tea? That is tea. But well, there, it depends because like I can see what you're saying. The attention is completely different when it's like a straight audience. They're like, oh my gosh, you're wonderful, etc. However, with the references, I feel like I love performing more like conceptual numbers in front of queer people because they get gay culture and they get the songs yeah, and everything. That, yeah. And sometimes when you bring that to like a straight brunch, they're like, what is happening? No, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's because like with gay culture, like we're so used to seeing like drag race upon drag race and every bar you go to there's a queen twirling in the corner we're so exposed to it and gay people just judge you as hell yeah oh I could do that I could do that if I put a bob on I could do that I mean that's literally what I was thinking when I started doing drag I was like I could do it better <laughs> well I said that earlier in the podcast I saw Alaska Thunderbug and I was like oh I could tease the fuck out of a ball on my head and put on a straight synthetic wig and just do what she does <laughs> I can't. Uh, that's part of gay culture. That is gay culture right there. It's like that TikTok. It's like, uh, I may not have the skill, but my homosexual audacity allows me to do anything and everything. <laughs> have you heard it? I did see that. That just woke in that memory. Whoa. I did see that TikTok. Yeah, just like a sound. It's uh, and that's it's true. It's it's the gay culture, the gay audacity. Yeah, it's the real gay agenda. Well, Hannah, you have done so much and you've been doing drag for like two years. So this is wow. Like, I'm just so wowed by your talent, by your persona. But I want to know what is next for you? What are some of your short term goals, maybe like for the next year and your ultimate goal of drag? What would that be? So funny you say that. So I... I have always wanted to work in entertainment. And when I was doing YouTube, I just kept finding myself going back to music. And as the name suggests, Hannah Santana is a rock star at the end of the motherfucking day. She may be a fool in a wig, but let me tell you, she got some pipes on her. I really want to start putting out music. I actually met a producer uh, a few months ago who I'm supposed to be getting into a studio with very soon to start working on my first single. But Ooh, exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really want to be like an actual pop star. Well, rock star, pop star, like, I don't know. Star. I look at girls. I want to be a drag fucking superstar. Okay, listen. <laughs> and I am the queen of manifesting. I literally got out of high school. I had 2000 YouTube subscribers. I said, if I don't have at least a shit ton by the end of the summer, I'm going to college. And I had 25,000. Actually, no, I had 50,000 in two months over the summer. I blew the fuck up. I said, I am not going to college, girl. <laughs> You're like, I don't want that debt, Henny. I don't want that student loan. Fuck that. I better get some subscribers. Yeah. So you want to talk about the manifesting queen? It is Hannah Santana. And when the day comes when she is a rock star, this podcast, we will come back to the moment and the moment will be shared. I'll repost it. I'll be like, well, she was right, Henny. She was right, y'all. I'm telling you, manifest. That it is so cool. It, it does work. I believe in manifestation a lot. I have my little shrine with crystals and everything. I have like incense every morning. It's, it, it, it works for me. Oh, no, I'm not a witch. I, I just manifest. Uh, you're like, you just put it out there. No, I try, I try to be a witch, but I'm like, it's, it's, it's going. It's going. I have, I have some learning to do. I need to find a coven. But what would be your ultimate goal of a drag? That you'd be like, okay, looking back at it, I did it. Like, this is it. Oof, oof, so deep, so deep, so deep. Just like us. Girl, speak for yourself. 
Well, yeah, just like me. I've been out and about. I'm not ashamed of it. Listen, she's a femtop. She has the, the fresh set on the cheeks. She's like, yes, sis, take it. No, I think my ultimate goal is, is being my own boss. You know, I just really want to be an entertainer that can live anywhere, go anywhere. I don't I don't want to have to answer to nobody, you know? I mean, obviously, I have to answer the venue that's having me, but <laughs> I just want to be able to enter the Lord, enter Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ through Paul Charles. No, I'm just uh, <laughs> that part. That part. <laughs> well, presents. <laughs> no, I, that's what I want. I really just want a super successful entertainment career. I want to act. I want to make music. I want to do all of it. Honestly, I can totally see that. You definitely have that personality, that manifestation energy. Manifestation. Not manifestation. Girl, what did I tell you? She's a femme top. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm doing the fisting. I get it now. Yeah, you're the you're doing the manifestation. Yeah. Oh my god. You're in the, on the giving end. Girl, I will fist all the producers. <laughs> <laughs> Send me an email. Hello, dear producers. I have a really big fist. <laughs> oh my god. I have a new bottle of Crisco and I'm ready to use it. Girl, you know they're all size queens up in there. They're all size queens. They better be. I, I would be too if I was in their shoes, so I don't blame them, you know? Yeah, if I wanted to get fisted, why not have the biggest one? Exactly. Two at a time, four at a time. I don't know. The sky's the limit. <laughs> and girl, you don't need a lot You don't need a lot Oh, gosh. And right now, we're entering into my favorite section, which is the drag tip of the week. Ooh. Hannah, if you could give one piece of advice to a new drag artist, what would that be? This is actually a real like humanoid tip. I think that you need to be nicer to people. I know that like with reality TV, like Drag Race, we get so caught up in like this cutting up culture, but be nicer to your show directors, be nicer to your castmates, show more love to your city. And I promise you, your city will show you love right back. That's my tip. That is a really beautiful tip. And I haven't heard it before. She's an original. What can I tell you? <laughs> She's an original. She is creative, groundbreaking. But you're right. Because, again, RuPaul's Drag Race is reality TV. People tend to forget that. People just think that is... And it's not even reality TV like the housewives that people is following you with a camera. It's like people's been put into that situation so they become cutthroat, so they become competitive. But people's not like that outside, you know? Like, people's actually really, really nice. I've met only a handful of Drag Race girls that I'm like, oh, maybe they're not that nice or maybe that was not a good day for them. But being nice actually pays off. Nobody wants to work with a cunt. Nobody. Unless you're Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> Listen, she is in a different league of her own. She's a funny cunt. Nobody wants to work with a non-funny cunt. I mean, I was going to say funny looking, but sure. <laughs> sure. Back, back, back. <laughs> I mean, that too. It also applies. It also applies. Oh my God. Hannah, our time is out but this was such a funny episode oh my god i really did it this has already been an hour yeah oh my god i am a narcissist i talked about myself for an hour no but i enjoyed it so much i i mean i could literally have you here every week and i would enjoy it to the fullest i have that effect on people you're like <laughs> you know you cannot have me just once there's they always come back for repeats no literally i have to block all the hookups they keep wanting more <laughs> <laughs> Well, if people want to message you or find you on social media, where can they do that? You can find me at Hannah underscore Santana underscore. Everywhere, honey. No, literally. 
Instagram, TikTok. Oh no, actually TikTok is my government name. I should probably change that. But Twitter, Instagram, girl, you'll find me. You'll, you'll find, find her. me. But it's spelled like but it's spelled like my government name, like Hannah H A N N A, not like the traditional Hannah. Oh, however, she's a different girl. You know, she's creative, groundbreaking, original. Don't see my name in the title. They'll know how to spell it. Yes. It's just Hannah underscore Santana underscore. You'll see it. Yeah, you'll see it, girl. And trust me, you're in for a treat. She is just as funny, as talented, as charming online as she is on this podcast. Thank you so much for doing this again, girl. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to 100 Steps to Drag. If you like my podcast, don't be shy. Share it with your friends. Leave me a review. If you didn't like it, you're probably homophobic. This episode was edited by Chow Panda Productions. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.